Welcome back to the Living Joyful and Well podcast. My name's Jen, and today we're going to talk about why brain health is so important for women. I'm excited to share what I've learned, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Living Joyful and Well podcast, where ordinary mom life becomes positively extraordinary mom life. My name is Jen Moss, and I believe that we can do more than just survive motherhood. We can thrive and enjoy the day. Through trial and error, adventures, and stories from my own journey, I've learned tips, tricks, and habits to live the life you've always imagined from the inside out. What you think is what you become, and in order to be extraordinary, you must be open to shifts in your mindset. With laughter, encouragement, and a lot of fun, we will explore motherhood in a whole new dimension through subtle, authentic, non-judgmental, and mindful methods. Are you ready to up-level your thoughts and be who you want to be? Let's dive in. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode eight. So today we're going to talk a little bit about why brain health is so important for women. So I recently listened to a podcast and I shared this on a past podcast that I had learned some things about how brain health for women differs from brain health for men. And I listened to a podcast with Jim Quick and a brain scientist by the name of Dr. Lisa Moscone. And she wrote a book called The Double X Brain. Um, And she was talking about how women's brain health is different than male brain health and how extremely important it is to for women to get on board with taking care of our brains. Um, And quite honestly, I've never really thought about that. I mean, I know that my brain is what makes me go, and but I never really thought about taking care of it to the point of doing something or taking actions to better my brain health. So um, she talked about how females experience much more headaches. Um, They are diagnosed more with MS, depression, brain brain fog, not brain frog, (laughs) Um, anxiety, dementia. um, And all of these are much more diagnosed in women than they are in men. Um, We're more likely to be also diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, Like for every man, there are two women diagnosed. So that's pretty huge. And that's something to really think of. You know, I am nearing my half century um, (laughs) and I, you know, want to be sure that I maintain my brain health so that I can live a really long life and I can remember things and I don't succumb hopefully to those um, issues of memory and dementia and things like that. So um, but anyway, she researches how brain health plays out differently in women than in men. Um, we have different responders than men do. Medicine has been historically gender biased towards men And although the symptoms are vastly different in women and men, but the treatment is often seen as just one treatment for both men and for women. So I thought that was interesting. I had no idea. Um, I thought kind of a brain was a brain, but, um, and treatment has basically historically been done based just on men's health, whereas women's health has been confined to, you know, our reproductive organs and not the whole body. 
uh, and especially they haven't really done research in the past on brain health for women. So um, the cardiology reactions are vastly different in men and women. Um, Symptoms of heart attack present differently in men versus women. Um, But women are often overlooked and often sent home when they do seek treatment. They usually will go home because their symptoms aren't what they quote unquote should be because they're not how men's symptoms present. Um, so anyway, so she has a a system of eight pillars, which are actionable items to prevent Alzheimer's disease and other brain, um, health or unhealthy diseases. Um, and she does this by using a word called, it's a Latin expression called mensana, which means healthy mind. Corporasana, which means healthy body. And there are eight things from which to choose from. She tells you not to get overwhelmed because eight things, if you went out and tried to control and do all of these things, more than likely you're going to spaz out and maybe not do any of them because it's too overwhelming. Um, But she says, you know, choose just one and make a solid change and then move on and continue to move as much as you can. And you may already be doing some of these things. So It might be easier if you're already kind of taking charge of these things. But um, her pillars, you know, start mensana is how she describes these eight pillars. And basically it's M-E-N-S-S-A-N-A. So I'll go through those real fast. So number one is M, which is for mental stimulation. And basically she says, you know, we must stimulate our brains and stimulate the neurons so that they remain active and plastic because your mind or your brain is plastic and it can be molded and changed. Um, And she said the key with mental stimulation is through learning. So you want to challenge your brain with new things, whether or not that is reading something or it's learning a new skill or whatever, you know, learning how to play tennis or, you know, whatever. Something that will stimulate your brain Um, to change the neural pathways. Number two is E for exercise. And she talked about a study that was done over 40 years with women who led a sedentary life. And they basically have a 30% rate of decline into Alzheimer's disease with a higher level of cardiovascular exercise in midlife. And it's close to zero. Um, Meaning that didn't really make sense. (laughs) Um, She basically said that Women who lead a sedentary life have a 30% chance of decline into Alzheimer's disease. But with exercise or a level of cardiovascular exercise in midlife, you could have a close to 0% chance of declining into Alzheimer's disease. So basically, move your body. Your blood flow is critical for brain health, and your heart just needs to be stimulated. It doesn't need to be all-out, hard, crazy exercise, but it does need to stimulate your heart rate, increase your heart rate so that it can stimulate your brain by increasing the blood flow. So sorry, that was a little confusing. (laughs) Um, Number three is N, which is nutrition. And this, she said, is the one to start with first. If any of these are, you know, sounding overwhelming, she said, start with this one first because it's the most important. Um, 
you have three chances to do something good for your brain every single day because you eat typically people will eat a breakfast, a lunch and a dinner. And the nutrients that she believes or that are shown scientifically to be supportive of women's brain energy are fiber, antioxidants, which are A, C and E, um, omega-3 fatty acids, which are like flax seeds, olive oil, almonds, Um, And she says, do not eat processed foods, packaged foods, a lot of takeout food. um, And she suggests, obviously, eating fresh and homemade. Um, And that's not always possible. But, you know, if you can do it the majority of the time, even if you eat the same things, (laughs) you know, find things that you like. If you don't like almonds, you know, find something different. Um, Use olive oil in your cooking of chicken or whatever. Um, you know, so think about those things, but she, she said to start with the nutrition piece is the most important. Um, number four is S the first S is for sleep. And she says that women sleep far worse than men do overall. Um, we have a harder time falling asleep and we have a harder time staying asleep. Um, and distracted sleep is associated with disruptive disorders like Alzheimer's, dementia, um, and other, you know, brain disorders. So your brain doesn't have a chance to repair itself if it doesn't have enough sleep. So sleep is extremely important. And I know me, for instance, I have a very difficult time falling asleep. My husband literally hits the pillow and he's out like a light. (laughs) Um, I don't have that, but most men that I know can fall asleep at the drop of the hat. My brother, my dad, um, most of my friends' husbands, they're, they all claim that their husbands go to sleep, you know, in far quicker time than they do. Um, so it's something to really work on. So, you know, things like limiting your screen time right before bed so that you don't have the stimulation in your brain, um, maybe reading before you go to bed, having a darker room, having a cooler room. These are all some suggestions to allow yourself to possibly and hopefully sleep better. Um, So that's number four. That's the first S. The second S for number five is stress. And this is one of the most major issues in disease and causing diseases. Um, The consequences are more severe for women than men. And chronic stress seems to correlate with brain shrinkage only in women before the age of 50, which is, uh, (laughs) um, so we want to make sure that we don't allow the stress to become chronic. Um, You know, there are some stresses that, you know, come at you right away and then you can move on from those, but the chronic stress that's constant overall somehow needs to be managed because that is one of the major issues in causing a lot of diseases. Um, Cortisol works hand in hand or tandem with estrogens. So under constant stress, our body tries to, oh gosh, let's see, under (laughs) it, the cortisol and the estrogen makes more cortisol. So it starves the body of the female hormones. Um, So anytime you have too much Cortisol in your system, especially with a female, works in tandem with our estrogen to cause even more problems. And, um, you know, it takes away the, the healthy benefits of our female hormones. So um, she suggested one fabulous thing, which I talked about last time, was meditation to reduce stress. Um, and I, as I said last time, was 
am a very big proponent of meditation, no matter what kind you decide to do. Um, but that is something that will definitely help with, um, managing stress. So that was number five. Number six is a for avoiding toxins. And I talk about this a lot. Um, I started learning about toxins when I was pregnant with my daughter and, you know, I really didn't take much into account about toxins and things that are in products or in the air or whatever before I started reading about these things. But, and it's, it has been an underestimated topic for a very long time. Um, you know, eating organic isn't just fluff. (laughs) It actually makes a difference because you're not adding those pesticides into your body through the foods that you're eating. Even if you're eating great foods, they can get into your system through the foods that you're eating. So the dirty dozen is a great thing to, um, take note of. It is put out by EWG, the environmental working group. And you can just, you can either just Google the dirty dozen, or you can go on their website And every year they update it. Sometimes it changes, sometimes it doesn't. But the top 12, the dirty dozen means the top 12 most highly um, pesticide used fruits and vegetables. And like things usually with a thin skin are what um, are most affected by pesticides and chemicals like apples, lettuces, um, and then other things such as like avocados, watermelon, things like that that have a really heavy skin, really thick skin, usually aren't as um, pesticide laden because you're not eating the outside of the fruit or the vegetable. So those are kinds of things that you could buy conventional versus buying them organic. But there are those top 12 things you really should look at buying organic. Anyways, that's a start. Um, But there are a whole host of endocrine endocrine disruptors called xenoestrogens that basically mimic the action of estrogen in the body but are extremely destructive to children, pregnant women, and just women in general. Um, So another thing you can do is avoid plastics. Number one, avoid plastic. And that's very hard in our world because everything is packaged in plastic. (laughs) Um, But they can't contain BPA. And even if something says it's BPA free, there are several different forms of BPA and they don't have to tell you that it might change it might have changed to the other forms of the BPA so even if it says BPA free it still could have some endocrine disruptors that can leach into your food especially when heated so if you do have food that's in plastic absolutely 100% do not heat them in that plastic container put them in a glass container put it just on top of a plate um but you'd never want to heat plastic in the microwave or in the oven or anywhere. You always want to take them out and put them on glass or on a plate to heat them up. Um, it's definite no, no to heat anything with glass or not with glass. Sorry. Anything definitely a no, no to heat anything with plastic. So glass, stainless steel, you don't want to put stainless steel in the microwave, but, um, but anyway, so, Um, that is a huge one. So avoid plastics and avoid heating plastics as much as you can. Um, so number seven is N for networking. So socialization, people are made to be social people. It's inherent to people to be connected to other people. And, um, it's women especially are the type of humans that want to feel supported, 
Um, we tend to give and give and give and provide, but we don't get as much back often. We provide care for our family members, and a lot of times we can become very isolated. Um, we can lose financial stability and socialization, especially in our older years. So it's really important to network, keep people around you, whether or not it's via phone, um, computer, in person is best, but you know, it's not always possible, but you just want to make sure that you keep in contact and network and socialize with everyone because women are not superhuman as much as we like to think we are. Um, we are, <laughs> we're not, <laughs> and we do need the support of other human beings. Um, so, and then number eight is assessments. And this one is another one that I know I don't like to do, and that is going to your doctor. Um, and I don't do it for any particular reason. It's just to me, it's kind of another hassle. I never, I don't feel sick. So I'm like, well, why do I have to go to the doctor? I don't feel sick. Um, I go to the dermatologist regularly because that's something that I can see. I can see that I have spots on my skin. I can see, you know, things like that. But beyond that, honestly, I'm not the greatest at going to the doctor. But there are many conditions that are known to affect the brain and aging, like heart disease, diabetes, obesity, depression. And again, especially in midlife, um, these root causes can change, um, like genetics. Your situation can change. Your hormones change throughout age. So you just want to make sure that you go and you get your assessments at your doctor. Um, and, you know, one thing I didn't know is that menopause can take anywhere from two years to 10 years. And it can change. It can be gradual and mild or it can be super difficult. So it's really important to understand that if you're feeling depressed to figure out why or you're feeling, you know, brain fog to figure out why, um, a lot of things can change just by allowing somebody to assess you. Um, so um, let's see what else. Hormonal therapy can be helpful, but it's not recommended for dementia prevention. Um, she says that it definitely needs more research, and it's very controversial. Um, but studying and looking at starting hormonal therapy prior to menopause, as it might be something that can provide benefit long-term for dementia pre prevention, but she says don't start taking hormones more than six years after you're in menopause because it could increase your risk for dementia. So I thought that was interesting too, because I know there's a lot out there about hormonal therapy. Honestly, I don't know anything, so I'm not going to claim to, <laughs> but, um, you know, so anyway, so her book is called the double X brain. I think it's the double X brain. Yes. And her name is Dr. Lisa Moscone. And, um, I haven't read it yet. I'm, I would like to get it again. I, I listened to this podcast not too long ago, but, um, I found it very interesting. I really had no idea about the whole brain health being different between men and women. Um, but knowing that there are eight things that we can work on, even just taking the one, um, stress or nutrition or just getting your daily, your weekly, no, your month, your yearly assessments, holy mackerel, <laughs> your yearly assessments with your doctor, um, and just keeping up on things. So, um, I thought that was interesting. So I thought I would share. Um, but I'm curious how many of these things do you already do of those eight things? Um, and I'll recap them here. Mental stimulation. So learning something new, exercise, nutrition, sleep, 
stress, which means managing your stress, avoiding toxins, networking with other human beings, and then getting your assessments done. So those are the eight things. So are there any things that you're already doing or any that you could do better or maybe even begin? I would love to know. Um, Leave me a comment on my website, which I will link it below and or DM me on Instagram, which I will also link that below as well. Um, But I hope you found some value in these things. Um, I found it very eye-opening and very interesting and makes me want to dive into it a little bit more. So I definitely wanted to share it with you other mamas out there. And I hope it was valuable. Um, Thank you again for taking so much time out of your day to be together. And I wish you great comfort and good health. And always remember, as my mantra states, to get out there and enjoy the day. Thanks so much, friend. I wish you good well, and I'll see you again real soon. Take care. Bye-bye.